The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Let's just suppose for a moment that we looked out that window. And as we looked out that window, we saw in the distance a tornado, strangely enough, heading not west or not east, but heading west toward us. In minutes, it was going to reach the river, and seconds after that, reach us. As we saw that tornado coming, what would most of us do? Well, first, we'd at least head away from the windows, right? We'd get away from the windows. We'd stop looking at it. Maybe we'd run into the hallway, and we'd probably head toward the basement. That's us. Rational, conservative, right in our minds, human beings. But what, what would a storm chaser do if they saw that tornado coming? They'd head with you down the stairs, but then they would get out and jump in their car. They'd hit record on their phone and turn left onto the Dousman Street Bridge, getting as close as possible to the centerpiece of the storm, the terrifying path of that screaming tornado. If you've ever watched a Storm Chaser video, what usually happens once they get really, really close to the tornado There's a moment when you hear in their voices a fear that says, oh, too close, (laughs) too close. And they either stay put, they stop moving, or they turn the, turn it around, turn it around, turn it around. They turn the vehicle around. Well, friends, this morning in today's scripture passage, Jesus is a storm chaser. He doesn't stop, though, when he gets too close. Why? Because he is above it. He is the most high God who commands the tornado. And the one who has been preached last week is the most high God who's with us in the storm. I don't know if Jesus actually heard the sound of the screaming in Mark 4 when he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. But I wonder if the wind was right and the water was calm enough, like being able to hear a lion roar from several miles away, he might have heard the screaming coming across the Sea of Galilee so that he would say, we need to go there. It wasn't the sound of a storm caused by a cold weather front meeting a warm weather front. It was the sound of a spiritual storm. A cold-blooded battle between good and evil raging inside of a warm-blooded man. A madman in agonizing pain, screaming at the top of his lungs night and day. Ah! If the disciples had any idea what the other side that Jesus said they were going to would have looked like, they would have jumped ship. We would have jumped ship. Think about it for a second. What situations do you find so intimidatingly scary that you would rather make your way to a safe location than to step into it? 
What threatens your security or your sense of safety? Is it facing a conflict with a really stormy person? Is it driving into a stormy part of town? Or is it confronting the stormy, turbulent parts of yourself that you'd rather just keep contained or keep to yourself? Jesus says, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the stormy side. I have work to do there. How can he say this? How can he do this? Because he is the most high over every storm, including the storms that are in us. He can and will do a mighty work in conquering storms within us. And when he's finished with his work, we, the conquered ones, are called then to proclaim what he has done to the world. A reading from the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. Jesus and the disciples came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain For he had often been bound with shackles and changed, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion. For we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen (laughs) fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed. And in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home. 
to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. And He went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for Him. And everyone marveled. This is God's Word. So how does the Most High God begin to conquer storms within? The first thing you see Him doing in verses 1 to 8 is this. He steps into the storm. He steps into the storm. When you cross the Sea of Galilee from west to east, you're heading into the land of the unclean. That's Mark's first tell for us in verse 1. That Jesus went to the other side, to the country of the Gerasenes. There's some debate over which location exactly this is, but what Scripture wants to make clear is this region is a no trespassing zone for any Jew. It is unclean territory. Cleanness for the people of God was the normal state of things. But there were conditions in which a person could contract uncleanness and therefore be considered a danger or a threat to the safety of those around them as well as have to avoid approaching anything holy when you're unclean in the place of worship. Because if you're unclean, you might incur the penalty of God's retribution, which is death. And the disciples know this as they're heading across the sea to this unclean territory. And they're looking around as they're approaching the shore on this stormy night. And it's like a scene from a sci-fi or a Marvel movie as the hero steps on enemy soil. There's so many signs that Mark gives us even before they step foot off the boat that this place is unclean. First, it's a place of tombs. It's a place of decay and death. So the smell and the sights of death are there as tombs containing decaying bodies surround the place. And if you touched or got near a dead body, you were declared unclean. But there's another sight and smell and sound. Anyone come close to a pig farm? What does that smell like? Oh. The smell of manure and the sounds of <laughs> snorting as thousands of pigs are being contained in this place. Pigs unclean. And then another sound that would terrorize you. The sound of an unclean spirit crying out through a man as he's screaming his lungs out. Ah! What's our natural response as we're heading toward that shore? Let's go there. Let's go in there. 
No. Mm -mm. Our natural response is to avoid, retreat, remain clean, paddle back, paddle back. But sinners, confronted with the stormy world of your unclean heart, take such great comfort in the words of verse 2. Jesus stepped out of the boat and into the storm of this man's unclean life. Jesus stepped out of the boat and into the storm of this man's unclean life. Let's talk about his life. The unclean spirits all have taken up residence in his life. He's got a power, a dark, evil power residing in him that's making him even unable to approach. He has broken iron chains. Anything that was put on him, he was able to break off. He is the Hulk. And the evil spirits torment him in agony day and night. That his only way to cope with the agony is to scream and hurt himself by cutting himself as a way to deal with the worst imaginable pain of suffering under the power of these demons. And these spirits hear the foot of Jesus stepping out of the boat. And as Mark's signature says, immediately say, Oh, Jesus, the Most High is here. And as the hero of this story, Jesus, the Most High God, makes his way up the shore He's probably shouting, I'm coming for you. Get out of that man. And the only thing they know to do is to get on their face and beg him for beg him to spare them the same torment that they were doling out on this man. Friends, this is what happens when a true authority arrives on the scene. Have you ever had that happen when you're driving way too fast and you see the red and blue lights in the rear view mirror? Do you feel your gut drop? It's because an authority has arrived on the scene. Kids, when you hear the garage door open and your parents' car pulling in after you are secretly participating in foul behavior, do you gulp? That's authority arriving on the scene. But what if, what if it's not you that the police or your parents are wanting to arrest or discipline? What if it's the unclean and stormy sin that lives within you that they're wanting to address? This is what we see when the Most High steps into the storm. He's coming to deal with the sin that resides in this man. He's coming to crush the enemy who has taken residence within him. He doesn't hate this man. He loves him. He hates what's taken hold over him. And it's the same with you. He doesn't hate you, child of God. He hates what's taken hold of you. He hates that your life and your will has surrendered to the enemy and not to God. 
And he's stepping foot on the shore to reclaim him and reclaim you as his own, no longer enslaved by the enemy. I'm really hesitant to tell this story because I never want to glorify this part of my story because it's ugly. But I tell it to you because it has redemption attached to it. Like the demon-possessed man in junior high, I did a fair amount of harming myself. I would sometimes take a sharp object and rub it violently against my skin until it would redden and bleed because my will had surrendered to the enemy's anti-gospel message. The enemy's anti-gospel message that said, Chad, you are never going to be good enough. Chad, you are a worthless piece of garbage. Chad, no one could ever love someone as pathetic as you. Not one. I would scream. It was the only thing I knew to deal with the pain that I was, I was feeling and experiencing. Junior high is a tough, tough time, just FYI. But the sound of that foot on the shore came with a knock at the door. When a police liaison officer from my school asked to see my arms. which led to a pastor taking me into his office and listening to me and my struggle like a kind father, which led to me hearing the good news that the Most High God had come to take me to the other side of unclean, to experience forgiveness and rest in a Lord who loved me. How? Not only by stepping into my mess, but by cleaning it up as well. Friends, our self-harming behavior of cutting or over-drinking or pornography or completely isolating ourselves might make you feel a little bit of relief, some temporary relief, but only the foot-stepping entrance of Jesus into the storm will bring true and lasting relief because only he can clean up the storm's damage. Look with me at verses 9 to 13. As we see the Most High not only step into the storm, but clean it up as well. Jesus asks the evil enemy that's inhabiting this man, what's your name? Legion, he says. Legion, it's a term for a whole group of fighters. It would be comparable to our military designation of brigade or regiment. And it would consist of about two to 5,000 soldiers. Imagine the torment of being inhabited by two to 5,000 evil spirits. Mark is wanting us to see the kind of place that the kingdom of God, led by Jesus, the Most High God, is stepping into. This isn't just dystopia. This is hell on earth. And Jesus is bringing kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the demon leader, knowing 
the son, the servant of the Most High, is ordering them out of this man, he starts asking, he starts bargaining with Jesus, asking, can we stay where we've been stationed in this unclean region, this godless country? Can we just stay here? Maybe the demons believing that here is better than God's country, Israel, because they'd be away from Jesus. They know they're going to eventually receive his wrath. The demons know that. And we see that in the same account in Matthew, where the demon says to Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? The time, as Revelation promises, when demons will be cast into the great pit of hell. And the demon's asking, are you here to torment us before that? And in a last-ditch effort, this demon notices the pigs and asks Jesus, can we just stay there? Makes sense. Unclean demons inhabiting unclean pigs. Can we stay there? And look at the authority of Jesus in verse 13 over the evil empire of Satan. In a single nod, he gives them permission. Jesus is not afraid of them. He is instead ruling over them. And as the thousands of unclean demons rush into these pigs, the unclean pigs, into the abyss, into the water, into the pit they go. To the original hearer, monsters came from the deep. Monsters came from the sea. And here Jesus, with the authority of the Most High God, sends the monster back where they came from. As they no longer chokehold a man, but are instead choked themselves in the sea. Mark is not only telling the story of one man's being saved. In this pig drowning scene, he's telling the story of an entire legion of people being saved. How? How is this man and legions of people being saved? Jesus is able to save the man from this unclean place because Jesus will become the unclean man. He's going to later exchange places with the naked man and become the naked man. He's going to be isolated from God as the man was, as he's isolated from God. He's going to become the tormented man, screaming in agony. As Jesus makes his way on Palm Sunday into the city, hearing thousands shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The most high God would days later be led outside of the city to an unclean and foul place where there were tombs. And he would be crying out in agony as he became the one to take on the sin and the suffering of the world. Letting the enemy of the world, Satan, do its worst to him. So that in carrying the weight of the unclean world, anyone hiding in him could be free. This is how he cleans house. Through the cross. The punishment for sin transferred onto him and off of the man and off of us. Friends, when you see the story, you've got to see the value of your soul to the Lord. Some uh, economists maybe might read this story 
and think, Jesus, you just took 2,000 pigs from a farmer or a bunch of farmers from a community. You have messed with their economy. 2,000 pigs, that's a huge livelihood. That would have had a significant impact on the well-being of the Gerasenes. But the Most High's economy in the redemption of one person is so much more important than 2,000 pigs. Friends, if a pandemic takes down our entire country's economy, but leads to one person finding cleansing in Jesus, it will be completely worth it to God. That's how he operates. I have to venture to guess, friends, that there is a spiritual storm in a soul here today. That you are crying out in your isolation and in your distress. And you are obsessed and maybe even being taken over by the evil ways or messages of the world. And it's causing you in that stormy distress to scream or to hurt yourself or to agonize. But the screaming, the self-injury, the agonizing isn't working to bring you any peace or rest. Run to Jesus. Fall before his most high feet, crying out, Have mercy on me, O God. Help me, because I can't help myself. Believe that the cross is the means by which every wrong thing you've done against him and others, every evil spirit you have submitted your will to, every unclean thing that's listed on the track record of your life can be made clean through him going to the abyss of hell in your place. Wherever you are in pain today, Jesus brings cleaning and healing and help. Let his most high foot crush the enemy of your soul as he's being crushed for you. As the story concludes on the other side of the shore, we see how the townspeople respond. Jesus is not welcomed in this place anymore. They want this scary man, Jesus, out. But take note for a second. What is it that scares the people of this region? Pay attention. What scares them? It's not the demon-possessed man's scream or hulk strength. That's not what's scaring them. It's the demon-possessed man now being serene, at peace, sitting with Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. That's what scares them. They beg Jesus to get out, to depart from them, to leave unclean enough alone. Leave us alone. So Jesus, he gets back in the boat, knowing this isn't the end of the story. Because what does Jesus do? The Most High God leaves a messenger of mercy there. As we read this story, we might struggle that Jesus didn't allow the man to go with him, right? That just doesn't seem fair, Jesus. He wants to be with you. Isn't that a good thing? He wants to be near you. And you're saying, no, stay here. But we don't need to struggle with this. Because friends, this man 
is now us too. Jesus knew that bringing this Gentile man back with him to God's country, it was only going to be trouble for him and for the man. It wasn't time yet for the mystery to be revealed, which is the mystery that Jesus wasn't just coming for the Jews. Jesus was coming for the Gentiles, for the unclean as well. In the meantime, he would leave this once stormy man now cleansed man as the first of the apostles. Even before Paul, the first apostle to the Gentiles. To tell how much that the Lord has done for him in showing him mercy. He is the first apostle to the Gentiles, a messenger of mercy. Notice the identification of Jesus as the Most High God in the last few verses of this passage. It's so interesting. Jesus tells him, Go tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. And in verse 20, He went away and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. (laughs) Lord Jesus. You can't rid a place on earth of the Most High. Because when the Most High steps into a person's mess and makes them clean, he deposits himself in them. You can't rid a person of Jesus, one commentator writes, for Jesus is present in the message of the gospel proclaimed by his followers. Friends, where is the Most High calling us to step into an unclean mess with his authority, in his name, with the name of Jesus that can, with a nod, send the evil of the world into the pit of hell? Friends, there's a spiritual storm raging as strong as ever in the world, and it wants Jesus the hell out of it. But we're still here. Do not be afraid. You don't have what it takes to enter into unclean messes. You have the Most High God, whom the demons shudder in His presence with you. Bring the message of hope to people who are cutting, who are crying out for help. Clean up messes by bringing his mercy to people the world no longer knows what to do with. Step his foot into the home of the mentally ill. Step his foot into the lives of the morally ill. Step his foot into the face of evil that is tormenting your family member, your friend, or even your own soul. Close with this yesterday in the Aldi parking lot. My wife and I were confronted with a storm. As a teenage son was tormenting his mother. And we watched him as we were walking out with our groceries. And they were walking to their car. We watched him push and shove his mom around the parking lot. Yelling and screaming at her. He's probably about 17, 18 years old. So he was a lot stronger than her. And they finally made their way into the vehicle. And the teenager in the passenger just slammed the door violently. And my wife and I watched because we were right next to their car. We watched to make sure, is she okay? Is she going to be okay? And my heart was pounding. But I wasn't afraid. Because I even thought, Jesus, you are with me. And here's what happened. The boy opened the door again and stared at me with evil in his eyes. And he said, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? None of your business. 
And I looked at the mom and I said, are you going to be okay? And she said, I'm 100% okay. Which was my indicator that there's mental illness or something that she knows about going on that I didn't know about. But when we drove home, we prayed silently for both of them that the Most High God would step foot in that vehicle with His mercy. We, church, are here on earth representing the Most High Jesus who now sits at the right hand of the Father. We are His messengers of mercy who've been shown love as He stepped into our mess and cleaned us. He stepped into our storm and brought cleansing. Friends, we may not always be welcomed into these places. We may, like Jesus, be cast out, rejected, asked to mind your own business like the kid did to me yesterday. But we continue to proclaim how much the Lord has done for us until the day when he steps foot on earth one final time and sends the enemy and those whose will was to follow the enemy into the abyss once and forever. Messengers of mercy, go with the authority of Jesus and make disciples of every unclean nation. As the Lord Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, leaves us, the church, here on earth to make for himself a kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending your Son to step foot into an unclean place and to declare with authority, I'm bringing peace. Thank you, Father, as we are mindful of the cross and as we head toward Good Friday and Easter, we're mindful, Father, that your Son stepped into an unclean place to transfer upon himself all of the uncleanness of his people. Thank you, Father, for the burden he was willing to carry in calming our storm and giving us peace. And thank you that he sent this man and us out of the place of the tombs with resurrection hope to declare all that the Lord has done for us. Would you continue to strengthen us as the church to be ministers of mercy in this world? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.